0: So hi, and welcome to the first episode of the Veridical Paradox. I'm your host, Parth, and with me today is a great friend and a colleague, Venkata Datta Sai, who is a final year undergrad engineering student at IIT Hyderabad. Now, I've known Datta for a bit over two years now, when we were in the Android open source community together. As of now, we frequently sit down to discuss ideas for papers and projects involving physics and artificial intelligence. But what actually connects us is our sheer love for maths. So welcome to the podcast Tatta. Hi bhai Thanks for
1: welcoming me to your podcast. I'm very pleased to be on your podcast.
0: In this episode, we would be discussing about Datta's journey before and to an IIT. And we would discuss in depth about the implications and intricacies of AI and how it blends with mathematics. The reason I chose to discuss AI in the first episode itself is that AI has been one of the most widely misunderstood and misconstrued topics in pop culture, with theories, movies, books, and whatnot. As people who create them from scratch, it is definitely our job to communicate the reality behind this seemingly difficult subject. Now, to begin with, tell me about your journey to engineering Dutta. Why did you decide that you would choose this field and what led your path to IIT Hyderabad? So
1: sure starts when I was studying in my high school, uh, I was from the beginning very fond student of mathematics. I loved it and I still love it. And then, you know, as every middle class Indian student is, you are offered to choose either between engineering or medicine. And till date, I hate biology, so it's, it's not my cup of tea. And with my interest lying in mathematics and logical thinking stuff, I chose engineering.
0: I had to. So, getting into an IIT must have been a dream come true. What were your emotions when you got into the campus and spent some time in there?
1: Okay, so let me put it this way. The journey before getting into IIT was a sine wave in our terms. It was filled with both ups and downs. Everything had equal magnitude. And then finally, after achieving the dream, after entering the IIT, it was like the feeling was surreal. It felt like I was living in what I dreamt for the past 5 years or so and then getting to meet new friends over there it's another entirely different experience.
0: Okay, and uh, what is the current branch of engineering that you are enrolled in?
1: Talking about the department I enrolled in I should also probably touch upon the journey behind why I chose this. So, my department is Mathematics and Computing. It's a rather new department in India uh, it's been around in other countries for the past decade or so. There's a very clear reason why I chose this. I was, as I said, pretty much interested and in love with mathematics. And then there's this this aspect in computer science that keeps attracting me. Something that is new. This branch, which started in 2017 with our batch had the perfect blend of both and welcomed me with both hands. So that was the best option I had.
0: Now, before we move on to the topic for our episode, do you have a specific incident or a story that largely impacted your life?
1: There have been a few, at least a couple. So, it was in like my 11th, after I finished my 11th, I came home for holidays and I was in my home for like I don't know, 15 days. My 11th wasn't a sports journey at all. Like, my curve was on the downside, always. My performance was decreasing day by day, day by day. And then an uncle of mine, not a close relative, but an uncle of mine was talking to me that day. He asked me how my studies were going. I said, fine. And he said, You will excel, you are the topper. That that really changed it. Like at that moment, I thought people are believing in me more than what I believe in myself. So if I. Distant relative of mine expects that from me. Imagine what my parents or my school teachers would have expected from me. And I knew that I had the potential to reach their expectations and reach my expectations. Then, when I went back to college, I started focusing a little bit more, listening to classes a little bit more, and practicing a little bit more. That helped me get back on track, and then everything was prospering.
0: Well, yeah, that was a good one. I hope everyone gets as inspiring relatives as you did. Now, talking about your journey in the development world, I mentioned that we started together in the Android open source community and developed ROMs and kernels. Now, this is not a community that is very well known to people. And when we say Android development, everyone assumes that we mean application or interface development more than the actual hard part of developing operating systems and kernels. So how did you come across AOSP?
1: I got to know about Google Assistant, which was still in beta at that time. So I tried out that. It was a pretty good experience trying out your know, Google Assistant back in two thousand seventeen. And then uh, a few months into my first Android phone, my first own Android phone, there was the launch of Android Oreo, and my phone was still stuck on Android Marshmallow. You know, as tech savvy people, we hate being lagged behind. So I was searching for what's possible to get the latest version up and running. The phone I had was based on MIUI, which which would have taken at least one, one and a half year more to get into Android. Open. So I had to resort to other ways. That's when I came across Android Open Source Project and the world of custom profits.
0: Okay. Um. How did you get into AI and learning to do projects and building things on your own?
1: of artificial intelligence it has started in 2017 as i said i was experimenting with google voice typing and google assistant that's when i came across this new thing called artificial intelligence and machine learning and then i started searching about that what is artificial intelligence and what is machine learning it fascinated me like the sheer thought of machines being able to perform what humans have been doing that amazed me and then one and a half years year into my beta one and two years into my beta That's when I started learning more about AI. Started doing a couple of courses on machine learning and then implementing. That is when the crux of AI got into me.
0: So, what is your take on how far AI development has reached and what do you feel about the future of this branch of science?
1: Well, there are two sides of the coin. One, AI has been able to do what we have been unable to do over the past few years. For an example, Right now, they are training AIs to solve Navier-Stokes equation, which was unsolvable till now, as you know. And on the flip side, not every AI is as powerful as Riddick. It needs a lot of training to do so. Imagine a 3 year old kid. He'll see an apple and then immediately remember it upon seeing it twice or thrice. But to teach an AI to recognize an apple would take you a thousand images. It's not there yet. Even. It's not there to compete with humans here, it's slowly approaching, but the good thing about AI is, it does what to program it to do, right? I mean, for the most of the part. So, I'm a bit positive about the future of AI. We can pretty much control it and make sure that it doesn't take over us.
0: Well, yeah, uh, hold that thought. Also, just as a heads up for the listeners, the Navier-Stokes equation is a set of differential equations that is used to analyze the motion of particles in flowing water or air. And though a lot of people know how to solve them, they are notoriously difficult to solve, even for an expert in mathematics. This is one of the 7 millennium problems in maths announced in 2000. And you can get a reward of US $1 million if you solve any of the 7 problems. And only one of them has been solved till date. Moving on, we've seen a lot of examples of AI being portrayed in some way or the other in pop culture. You know, I talked about movies and books and all. How accurate do you feel these portrayals are?
1: Well, whenever AI is portrayed in media and films, it is either overhyped or underhyped. They don't exactly portray AI as how it is right now. In films like Iron Man and Black Mirror, it's overexemplified, and in some other contexts, So as if AI is nothing, there's a balance for everything. You need to strike that balance to portray the image of AI accurately.
0: Talking about public opinion, there are people who are ignorant of the maths behind how an AI actually works, and I've seen reports on how intelligent agents are biased towards women and racial or ethnic minorities. As people who develop and study the maths behind machine learning, tell us where this apparent bias comes from.
1: Let me tell you a small example, a week back, I was doing this poll on Twitter, comparing one aspect of Sachin Tendulkar to Virat Kohli. So, I hit the poll, I got the results, nearly 700 people voted in the poll and it was 60-40 in favour of Virat Kohli. It all seems good, but once you dig back into what could have happened or what did happen in the poll, I used Twitter as a medium. So, I'm expecting internet audience to vote, which is majorly dominated by young people, who are of course, Virat Kohli fans. And then, if a Virat Kohli fan's votes and likes or retweets my feed, it is more likely to end up on the feed of another Virat Kohli fan than a such a fan. So, in each step, the chance of Virat Kohli winning is increasing. So, by choosing Twitter and letting my poll to be voted by everyone, I made a sampling bias mistake. My sample is not the accurate portrayal of the whole population.
0: Agreed. Uh, In fact, let me cite a classic example for sampling bias from a famous book on machine learning. So, perhaps the most famous example of sampling bias happened during the US presidential elections in 1936, which pitted Landon against Roosevelt. The Literary Digest, which was a magazine, conducted a large poll, a very large poll, sending mail to about 10 million people. It got 2.4 million answers and predicted with high confidence that Landon would win 57% of votes. Instead, Roosevelt won with 62% of the votes. The flaw was in the Literary Digest sampling method. Now, there are two reasons for this. First, to obtain the addresses to send the polls to the Literary Digest used telephone directories, lists of magazine subscribers, club membership lists and all. All of these lists tended to favor wealthier people who were more likely to vote Republican and hence Landon. Secondly, less than 25% of the people who were polled Actually, answered. Again, this introduced a sampling bias by potentially ruling out people who did not care much about politics and people who did not like the literary digest and other key groups. This is what sampling bias actually is. So, there has been a lot of fuss around AI taking over humans in the near future. Do you think AI would ever take over us?
1: If you ask me, I'd say no, at least for the coming 20 years. But there is one thing that is a bit scary. If I might say so, have you heard of Neuralink? That technology is a bit scary. Integrating a machine into human brain and giving our human brain new senses that we have never had or senses that we have lacked from birth. That is a bit scary. Imagine if it can access the whole information in our brain and each each and every Neuralink device communicating with each other like the Tesla's do. That would train the AI so much so that it might even overpower us. So, future looks right, but also on the flip side, it's a bit scary.
0: Uh, we're both fans of the show Silicon Valley, and it did not end very nicely as the AI became so powerful, it broke high-level encryption. Do you think an AI could actually break through the present standards of encryption with, upon which you know all the internet relies upon?
1: I've been following AI close enough. There have been a few researchers on training neural networks to perform mathematical calculations and proving mathematical stuff. So, the AI is trained over 1200 mathematical proofs and it's pretty much good enough to prove a new mathematical theorem. So, and then as I said previously, they are even trying to prove various two equations using some AI. What is encryption? It's just a mathematical function on the given data, right? So, the task of AI is Simply to find the inverse of the function I and mean, without knowing the function, of course. Neural networks, as we know, have a huge capability of mapping inputs to outputs without knowing the function. That is know, deep neural networks. One hidden layer in a deep neural network can approximate any function, any given function if trained correctly. So it is possible that. standards that we have today i mean it might not break through the 2048 bit encryption but fifty-six bit encryption is likely to fall sooner or later
0: now there's one more unsolved millennium problem which is the p is equal to np problem and that allegedly is the biggest unsolved problem in computational mathematics on a superficial level, it asks to prove that a problem can be solved in the same time as in which its solution can be verified. So, for example, if you have a bunch of books to be arranged alphabetically in a bookshelf, it is definitely easier to verify that the books are arranged rather than arranging them yourself. The problem asks if there can be a way where you can do both of these in the same amount of time. So, do you feel AI can solve the P equals NP problem before humans can? The beauty of mathematics is the
1: more knowledge you have about different fields, the easier it is to come up with a new solution that is easier to understand. People of the past have been multidimensional in some aspect, if you could be. And in the present moment, everyone is deeply diving into one aspect of mathematics and ignoring the breadth of mathematics. So it's not that easy to come up with a solution for one of the toughest problems mathematics has ever had to solve. it's not impossible to, humans have been doing what was considered impossible previously. If you'd ask me to solve the P equal to problem first, the chronological order, I'd place my bet on three weeks.
0: Okay, so we've seen the rise of computers in mathematical research in the past decades. The first problem to be solved using a computer was the four-color map problem of graph theory uh, back in the 1980s. But it has evolved a lot since then. How important is the rise of AI in mathematical research?
1: There have been many instances where computers have helped mathematicians to prove new stuff. For example, consider the field of number theory. Proving some number is prime or composite needs a lot of computation, which is highly time-consuming if done by humans. Computers can automate that stuff and do it within a fraction of seconds. That way, it has reduced the effort. And straight on the human brain. And then, as you mentioned, they also helped in solving a few problems related to Kathy. And offline, the motive has been on using AI to solve unproved theorems. So, what is a computer? It's just a mathematical computation machine. So, you can think of computer as a human being who can do calculations at a much faster rate. It can simply assist humans in solving a lot of problems, but it can yet solve new problems maybe.
0: Coming back to AI taking over humans in the future, there has been a lot of fuss around Elon Musk saying that we have a 6% chance of surviving an AI apocalypse. Now if there is anyone living a Disney princess life on the planet, it has got to be Elon Musk, like he's the most happy go merry person ever. What do you think about this statement from a bird's eye perspective?
1: In the world of AI, is it's constantly progressing, and the rate of progress is unbelievable. That would be a huge factor into consideration when you are judging an AI whether it can be capable of doing something or not. Where AI has been lagging behind humans is that AI has a limitation. In fact, computers have a limitation of being able to classify something into two, either yes or no, but they can't classify something as humans do. AI can't understand that emotion or that imperfect logic that human has. With that said, there's also a field of mathematics called fuzzy logic, which deals with the same thing. Recently, I've come across a paper that applies fuzzy logic for data analysis. So, we're speaking to see what Elon Musk has probably read about.
0: Okay, well, uh, thanks a lot for your insights and I genuinely enjoyed every bit of our discussion. I did have a script for this episode, but as time proceeded, I set the document aside and started going with the flow. So yes, thanks for being here. And any final words before we end this session?
1: First of all, I'd have to thank you for letting me kickstart your podcast. The podcast in itself is a very good idea. It lets people tap into the brains of other people from various fields and domains, explore their journeys, share their thoughts and hopefully
0: end up being a good lesson to the listener. Well, yeah, thanks again, Datta. I wish you all the best for your coming years of life. And with that said, that's all for the first episode. I would like to hear your review on this piece. And if any of you listeners have any suggestions, send me a voice message on anchor.fm slash the Paradox. Thank you and have a great day.